Hi, everyone. I'm Mel Butcher. And I'm Michelle Redfern. And we're behind the Lead to Soar podcast. We've got a couple really fun things to share with you. And the first thing we want to share is our colleague, Susan Colantuno. She started a podcast called Be Business Savvy. Be Business Savvy. We highly recommend it. And it's a short form podcast where you hear directly from Susan. It's like having a friendly mentor in your ear. So check her out at BeBusinessSavvy.com. Over to you, Michelle. Thanks, Mel. Well, two exciting things from me, along with Be Business Savvy. Number one, The Leadership Compass. My very first book is due for release on March 26, 2024. You can find out more about The Leadership Compass, what it's all about. Of course, it'll be your ultimate guide if you're an ambitious woman leader. You can find more about that at michelleredfern.com. And hand in hand with the Leadership Compass book is the Leadership Compass boot camps. I'm going to do one boot camp a quarter for 2024 for just six women at a time. And you'll be working through in three weeks. So, yes, it's short, sharp, and high impact. All of the elements from the Leadership Compass and my 40 years of executive experience. So, you'll cover BQ, EQ, and SQ, and you will be positioned to have a career that soars. Again, you can find out about the boot camps at michelleredfern.com, leadtosoar.com, or if you can't find any of that, just drop us a line and we'll point you in the right direction. You're listening to Lead to Soar, bringing women the best career advice and mentorship from around the world. Lead to Soar is a production of a career that soars. Learn more at leadtosoar.com. The Lead to Soar podcast is recorded in many places across the world. In Australia, it's recorded on the lands of the Wadawurrung, Wurundjeri and Boon people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to Elders past and present for they hold the memories, the traditions, the cultures and the hopes of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the nation. We also pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening today. Michelle, it's so nice to be here with you on Lean to Soar. Very, very nice to be back again, Mel. And talking about one of my favorite, well, I've got lots of favorites. It's a bit like trying to choose a favorite child, but one of my favorite subjects, I get very, very excited and animated, which people will go, but you're always excited and animated, Michelle. But yes, this one does make me excited and animated. Yes. And it's such an important topic for people at all levels. We're going to talk about why that is. But first, let's just get into it. Succession planning. Give us a high level view. What is succession planning? So succession planning is, and I'll talk at an organizational level first, because we are going to get right into, you know, what's as a woman leader, what what do we want you to pay attention to? But succession planning is risk management 101. And if we think about all of the capital that we have in, in, in organizations, human capital, hate that expression, but human capital is, and particularly knowledge working organizations, it's huge. So we want to mitigate the risk of personnel risk or, or you know, single points of sensitivity. And we also want to be able to manage talent pools. So what we do in really high-performing, mature organizations is we have people ready to move into roles and we ha- we are cultivating their skills. We are developing their profile. We are, we are helping people 
to get ready to lead at the next level so that the organisation does not experience a risk of a an unfilled role particularly in in leadership. Right. And from my perspective, succession planning is important when you're early in career because it's important to know if you're part of the succession plan. But talk to us more about this, Michelle. Why does a junior level person need to be thinking about succession planning? And why do mid and senior level people need to think about succession planning? Good question. So let's start with someone who is in the early part of their career. And you nailed it, Mel. Whose succession plan am I on? I will say that there'll be organisations that have quite formal talent management processes, including succession planning. So there will be a rhythm around identifying talent, putting them onto a succession plan. And then there's the opposite, the very informal. And great leaders always have a succession plan. And I'm going to talk about what that looks like in a little while. But if I'm at the start of my career and I'm ambitious and I want to move up and I want to advance and I want want to lead at the next level and the next level, you need to be identifying what that looks like and who's in the role currently and how you might be considered for that role. So if I think about my very early days in my career in a contact centre in working for Telstra, which is you know, Australia's uh, still biggest telco, I'm on the phone. So I'm at, I'm at the early part of my career. I'm at the, frankly, the bottom of the pile, but I was ambitious and keen to move up. So what I did was think, well, okay, then my next role is to become a team manager. After that, I might go into one of the more technical you know, operations or um, workforce management, but ultimately I want to become a call centre manager and then a leader of call centre managers. So that very first step, I thought, all right, so who's, I wonder which team manager would consider me as a person that could be developed into their role. So I started having that conversation with my then team manager to say, I'm really keen to become a team manager. I've, I'm want to have a great career, would you be considering me as someone who could do your leave replacement? So could I step up into an acting or a secondment role? Could I be considered for other leave replacements? So for me, it was about saying, what's the next logical step? And also what was interesting in thinking about what, what I thought the next logical step was, then having that conversation with my team manager, I remember her name was Kathy. She said, and I want you to also think about these other steps that you could take. And I went, oh yeah, because there was some diagonal moves and some other ways of, frankly, putting myself on the radar to be considered for succession. As a result of having the conversation, so declaring my ambition and declaring my intentions, we then developed a plan. And we developed a plan to, number one, develop my skills, increase my profile to the people who might want to consider me as someone that could do their leave coverage or or other stuff, so on and so forth. So at the start of your career, it's worth understanding what, what are the next logical steps and sometimes the ones that may not be obvious to you and have a conversation with your boss and certainly if you have a strategic mentor with your strategic mentor about it. I'd like to encourage our listeners to go back to see Season one, have a listen to episode number 12 with our guest, Heather Polinski. If you listen to that episode, you'll hear from her how she thought about creating her own progress. And in particular, you know, I can remember she went from starting out in sort of a technical space to more project management to program management and later ended up more on the business and client development side. You know, she pushed and communicated 
communicated with her superiors about taking on a more operational role. And eventually, when we did the interview with her at that point, she was the COO. She's since moved up again. But I think it would be really valuable for you to hear from her how her journey led her up in the company. Yeah. And to, to build on that, Mel, we talk about, well, certainly Susan has written about it in No Ceiling, No Walls. And we talk about it in a number of the courses that we run, including your Mantle of Leadership, about having a web of experiences so that, you know, career paths are not linear. Not, well, for some people they are. But if I, if we look at, you know, and look, not everyone's ambition is to have the CEO's office, right? But whatever your ambition is to advance and to, you know, achieve your full potential, having a web of experiences, including running, having operational roles, especially if you can get exposure to a profit and loss management is or client facing is great. Yeah, it, it's about saying, well, what are those what are those experiences I need to have to meet career plan to achieve or, you know, reach my full potential, but also whose succession plan can I jump onto? Who can I be noted as someone who's going to be either read, is ready now, ready in a couple of years, and then what do I need to do to keep demonstrating that I'm getting ready to lead at that next level? I want to get into some of the pieces that are for leaders, but listeners, we're going to come back around to some tactical sort of tips and everything for you at a later point. But right now, Michelle, let's talk about who's responsible for succession planning and in particular, who's responsible for addressing underrepresentation of women and minority groups. Well, let me answer that by saying who's not solely responsible. This is not the sole responsibility of your human resources team or the people and culture executive and and their team. So this is the responsibility. Ultimately, well, the buck stops with the CEO and the board because for those of you listening who are directors or, you know, report to boards, you'll know that risk management is a huge, a very, very significant part of ex- of the executive operating cadence. And part of risk management is, is talking about and managing and mitigating single person sensitivity in any role. First thing is, you know, don't rely on your HR department to develop and deliver the succession plan. They are the enabling factor. So they will help with templates and, you know, things like that. But succession planning is part of delivering against the business's strategic and financial goals. And just like any other business priority, like any other part of the strategy to make sure the organization is high-performing in a sustainable, enduring way, there's going to be a goal or a target state. So, And that goal or that target state for some leaders right now might be, oh, we might need to do this. <laughs> so we need to have a robust succession plan in place or succession planning processes in place. Then there's got to be a strategy to achieve the target state. So, okay, if our target state is that every role that is visible, risky, you know, can't have single point sensitivity. You know, so Mel, if you disappeared off the face of the earth right now because you won Lotto and went to the Bahamas, what would happen in your role? If you just walked away from your role right now, there'd be risks associated with that for your clients, etc. So we want to say, well, okay, what are we going to do to mitigate that? So we've got a strategy, we've got a plan to deliver on the strategy, we've got resources, and this is where the human resources or the people and culture folks come in. They assign resources, and those resources are not just the people who write templates and do lovely meetings to do succession planning. It's all about how do we do 
develop all of the people on the on the succession plan. But ultimately, we hold leaders accountable. And as a quick, you know, let me get into my outraged self, which I'm never far from. I'm still amazed at how many leaders I speak to, executives down, who do not have a succession plan for their role. And, and I'm talking about leaders all the way through. So, we hold leaders accountable as part of your deliverables, as part of you being viewed as someone who nails it in their role. You have a succession plan in place. And as I said, the HR department is the enabler of the succession planning cadence, but the heavy lifting is done by the leaders. So that's who's responsible. Leaders, we're all responsible. Okay. So maybe this is a bit of a wake up call for some leaders out there that are listening. Talk to these leaders about the mindset that they need to have to make effective succession planning happen. So let's start there. Mindset. Or the mindset that the first part I've, I've talked about, that this is my responsibility and this is part of my role. I want leaders to have a mindset that leadership, well, we know what leadership is. Leadership is using the greatness in you to achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes by engaging the greatness in others. Leadership is about that, but also about others. So people are just a huge part of your role. And we talk about uh, the fact that leadership is additive and subtractive. The more senior you become, you develop and demonstrate new skills, but you also have to stop doing some stuff. And, you know, we've talked about delegation and, you know, being able to lead at the next level in, in other episodes and certainly in the stuff that we do in a career that sorts. So number one, the mindset is this is part of my role. This is not, oh God, HR are going to tell me to do a succession plan once a year and I better get onto that. No, this is part of your role. So there's this great quote, success in success session planning is 90% perspirations. Executives that commit to engaging in the hard work of creating and implementing a rigorous, reliable process and keeping it current, so one and done doesn't cut it here, folks, are going to reap the benefit for developing a fair, equitable and importantly diverse talent pipeline. So if I go back to our three-part leadership definition, using the greatness in you, your values and your worldview used in a really authentic way persistently is going to identify, lift and advance diverse talent. So this is not about just selecting people that look like me, sound like me, have the same background as me. So using the greatness in you is going, your values have really come to the fore here. Achieving and sustaining extraordinary outcomes, you understand the relationship between talent management, risk management and achieving and sustaining the goals of the organisation. You not only understand it, you demonstrate it by having a robust, reliable, repeatable succession plan. And then engaging the greatness in others. You know how to capture or engage the hearts, the minds and the efforts of the right people at the right time for the right conversation to get the right people into the talent management pipeline. And succession planning is about engaging and aligning all of those people towards the organizational goals. That's what lead, the leadership mindset is. That's the stuff that we want We want people to do. But to summarize all of that, if you just want to listen to one sentence, leadership is about leading people. People must be at the, you know, leading authentically and, and doing stuff and achieving stuff through and with the hearts, the minds and the efforts of other people. That is at the core of leadership. So that's the mindset. Leadership is about leading people. And even in a space like I work in, in engineering, we often talk about how this is a, you know, quote, people business. And it's cliche, but also true. So we have this initial framework of our goals, what we need to do. Let's talk next about 
how leaders can do this. So in the habit formation kind of language, we've got the goals and now we need the system to make it successful. So talk to us about some of the important steps that leaders can and should take for diverse, equitable succession planning. Yeah. Thanks, Mel. The first step is to establish a a really crisp set of criteria that mitigates bias. So I have seen, and obviously in the work I do in diversity, equity and inclusion, I guide and provide advice on succession planning to CEOs and executives. And what we want to manage and mitigate is our propensity as humans for affinity bias in succession planning. Well, Mel is probably a good success for me because we look the same, sound the same. Poor Mel's going, I don't look the same as her. You know, we've got the same background. So I'm wastewater engineer and I'm looking for another wastewater engineer because, you know, she's gone to the same school as me, blah, blah, blah. No, we actually want to say what are the criteria for someone who needs to lead at my level? And we need to forget about merit. Merit is a myth. And we've, there's a terrific article about why yeah, merit is, is completely and utterly subjective. So mitigate bias in your succession planning by having, you know, this is what it takes to lead at this level. And a job description isn't it? Because I find job descriptions are often a laundry list for that super person who doesn't actually exist. And part of that criteria is also drilling down into, I guess there's a couple of stages, Mel. So there's and I talked about it when I was first thinking about it in early in my career, leave coverage. So you want a person who can jump in so that you can go and take your annual leave or if there's emergency leave. So there's someone who's ready to to do a short, sharp stint of leave coverage. And then there's the ready now. Now, if she's ready now, we need to do something about her, but she and she needs to be on a succession plan. There's ready in one to two years. And then what do we do around developing her? And then there's there's kind of others. So having that, that criteria also is important to consider at what stage. The other part that I think is is really important for leaders to take notice of is what is the current state of your organisation or the role that the lead is in? So I've certainly in my career recruited people for a remedial role. Oh my God, we are in trouble. We need a turnaround plan. We need to fix stuff up. And I I need, frankly, someone who is 100% ready, can hit the ground running and can help me fix this mess. So that's one kind of person. And then there's the steady as she goes, we're not in crisis mode. We're doing well. We're going to grow, whatever it may be. I can get someone who's perhaps 60% ready. And honestly, if they're 60% ready, they're ready. And then we put some support around her. We have a good career plan. So when you're thinking about succession planning, and let's face it, when you're thinking about the person who's going to come into your role, what state is your team, your business in right now? I think that's really important because what you don't want to do is create this crucible role. If you're in remedial mode and you put someone who's not experienced and needs to develop into the role, recipe for failure is the glass cliff. So that's number one. Number two is having a really well-defined process. It's like a project plan. This is what we're going to do. This is the operating cadence. We're going to review it at this point. We know who has to agree on what. We involve the whole team. So this is not a singular exercise because what we want to do with our talent, a really robust talent management process that includes succession plan is that we discuss the talent pipeline across all of the executive team or all of the leadership team so that we expose all of those leaders to all of the talent because what we don't want to do is make the mistake of having people 
thinking there's a linear, okay, well, I'll get my boss's role and then I'll get my boss's boss's role. No, we want executives to recruit from other parts of the company as well because uh, we know collaboration, innovation, diversity of, of thought, all that kind of stuff. So involving the high, uh, the, having a really good, robust plan and this is where your people and culture executive and team are very very helpful. They develop the governance and the process around it. They bring us together to have our regular succession planning reviews. There's also that independent voice saying, have we thought about, you know, that I guess it's the black hat, you know, okay, I might want Mel for my succession as my successor. Well, Michelle, I'd like you to consider that there's, you know, there's Rajneesh over here in my team. I think Rajneesh should actually be ahead of Mel and I think he would be a great person for your role because of, okay. So when we talk about, you know, if you think about the Carla Harris TED Talk, who's in the room thumping the table on your behalf? So we want that, we want all of the talent to be surfaced and discussed and talked about. Clear accountabilities. So that that process has clear accountabilities, roles and responsibilities. Who does what when? And we adhere and we, we adhere to the agreed processes. We keep each other accountable. So we call BS when people aren't being accountable. And being non-accountable means, oh, I saw that Mel catapulted so-and-so into her role for leave coverage. That wasn't part of the plan. I wonder what went on there. Was there a consultation? Did we did I miss something? So we call BS when the, the plan is is not being adhered to because that's when that's when bias creeps in and that's when we see underrepresented people, women, women of colour, people people of colour and so on and so forth, missing out because that affinity bias comes into play. Because at the end of the day, all of that is going to add up to a very, very strong process that's going to enable us to make the best decision at the time. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about Project Best Self. Project Best Self is a goal-setting and habit-formation-intensive Together, we'll get clarity on our goals, set up the systems we need to be successful in those goals, and provide support to one another in our cohort in this intensive. I'd love to see you inside Project Best Self. Come join us. Learn more under the courses section inside A Career That Soars. Now, I'm not suggesting that this is foolproof, but it goes a long way beyond how succession planning is done informally in a lot of places that we that we know about right now. Right. This is a, a good initial framework. So, Michelle, you've consulted to many businesses helping them with closing the gender leadership gap at the top. I'd like to ask you, what's something you've seen, something you've encountered in your consulting that executives or other leaders do that can hold women back? She's just not ready yet. That's the phrase. So when I talked about the Carla Harris TED Talk, and for those of you who haven't, we actually talk about it in another episode. Who is that person who's in a room advocating for you? And sometimes it is an independent person like me. What I hear is, okay, I'm in a room with a group of executives and so-and-so says, all right, here's my succession plan. Another executive says, well, actually, I'd like you to consider Mel because I think, no, oh, no. No, she's not ready yet. Okay, no worries. No, 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 no. Hang on. Okay, so if she's not ready yet, why? And what does ready mean? So I'm going back to that criteria. If we're in a steady as she goes, we have Mel meets 60 to 70% of that criteria, she's ready. So if she's not ready, why is she not ready? Is this a perception? 
or is it the reality? Is there a skill that she needs to develop and demonstrate? But importantly, what are we going to do about that? This is a talented person in our organisation who can help us meet our strategic and financial goals in a sustainable and enduring way. What are we going to do about it? We don't just put these names and shuffle them around on, on the whiteboard. We say, all right, so if Mel's not ready right now, when will she be ready? And what do we need to do in her career plan, in her development plan? What are the experiences we need to expose her to? So think about pie mentoring. Does she understand about performance of the business? What's her image as a leader? And has she had exposure to decision makers and decision making? So we need to give her some pie strategic mentoring and then get her ready rather than, yeah, no, no, she's not just, she's just not ready yet. No. What are we going to do about that? Because we have, as the custodians and the leaders of this organization, we have a responsibility to develop that talent. I've got to say, just as a bit of an aside, we've also got to tell her that she's on a succession plan because I think it's a little bit like the sponsorship conversation we had, Mel. Sometimes we don't know we're being sponsored. Sometimes we don't know we're on a succession plan. Really important that people know. And there's no guarantees, right? There are no guarantees in life. There's no guarantees in organization. But when a person knows, so when I knew very early in my career that I was being considered as someone who was ready to lead at the next level, guess what it did for me? I'm so excited and success breeds success. So what do I do? I show up every time I could show up. I My performance did not wane. I invested in myself by learning and doing other stuff. So do close the loop. Please do tell people when they're on a succession plan because for individuals, we have a role to keep developing and demonstrating our skills to demonstrate that we're ready to lead. I appreciate you saying that. And I want to corroborate the experience from the opposite end. I've had the experience of not being told I was part of a succession plan until I turned in a resignation letter. And I know now looking back on that, that had the person who told me this as I was walking out the door, had they had some serious conversations with me earlier about how I could fit in with them on their team, on related teams in different ways, the outcome would have looked very different. 100%. In a, a similar vein, Mel, similar, you know, same, same, but different. When I first had that conversation with Kathy, my team manager, I wasn't thinking of resigning. I was ambitious, but she was able to then also say to me, and here's the other pathways that I want you to consider. So it's all about hope and about future. And, you know, for, for those of us who are ambitious, who do want to keep advancing, who do want to contribute at a, at a more senior level in organizations, knowing that you're being considered as someone who can do that, but also getting that guidance about what other pathways you might want to consider are hugely important. So let's close that communication loop, folks. Absolutely. Okay, let's talk now about some things our listeners who are not quite yet the executives of the company, what might they need to think about? And we're orbiting around it now, but what do they need to think about in terms of being part of the succession plan, getting onto a succession plan, etc.? Mm. So the, the very first part in terms of you doing the heavy lifting. And and this is a little bit like the advice we give to women around being a great protege or a great mentee. We want you to do the heavy lifting here. We want you, you know, no one can unlock your ambition except you. And I hate to break it to you all, but your boss probably doesn't wake up every morning going, gee, I wonder what Michelle's doing today. I wonder what Michelle's career plan might be. I wonder what Michelle might want to do next in her career. 
She doesn't, but it is your job to have that conversation with her. So for me, taking control of or taking charge, control is a bit of a strong word, taking charge of the conversations that you're having with the person who's got your career in their hands, which is more often than not your boss. So number one, as I did and you've done, Mel, have a conversation with your boss. Here are my aspirations. Here's what I'd like to be considered for. Now, I'd like your your advice about where I need to develop more and what skills and attributes I need to demonstrate to be considered for a succession plan for X, Y, Z. So that's, that's number one is having that conversation. There's a really great exercise to do that in a great way in No Ceiling, No Walls, page 51. And we've actually converted that into a, a downloadable exercise or activity in a career that saws Mel Corp. Walk a mile in your boss's shoes. What is it going to take to lead at the next level? How does your boss consider you? How does your boss's boss consider you against the skills that are needed to lead at that next level? And then my responsibility, then your responsibility is to start developing those skills. So one of the bits of feedback that we get when we talk to bosses about what holds women back is they talk about she's good at a job. She does a good job, right? She's got her head down, her bottom up, producing good work, but she's not in the know. She's not thinking about the business. She's not demonstrating that she's particularly interested. She's not really demonstrating she's even very interested in what's going on in my world and I'm her boss. For listeners who might not speak English as a first language, that phrase that Michelle just used, you know, head down, bottom up, what we're talking about is someone who is, they're doing a good job with the work that's at hand, but it's almost an over-focus on tasks at hand and a failure to bring your head up from the desk, so to speak, to see the bigger implications of the business. You know, this is the Australian in me. I kind of shorten people's names and do and use funny sayings, particularly as I get older. So yeah, so you're very task oriented, but you're not lifting your head to look around and say, what is it going to take for me to lead at the next level? So I want you to think about that as well. Then that brings me to the next thing, which is strategic networking. Who do I know and who knows me and how do I tap my strategic network to help me advance my career. And look, Mel, we do strategic networking. We've done an episode on strategic networking. So the only thing I'll say on that is, A, go and listen to that. And the, the episode number escapes me at the moment. But networking is strategic inside and external to your company when it's based on a goal. Now, that goal might be how do I get my team to achieve, my, or how do I achieve and my team achieve its strategic and financial goals? Or it might be, here's my career plan, and I want to get very strategic by making sure that I'm networking with the people who can help me achieve the goals on my career plan. So it doesn't mean going and having a coffee with every important person in the organization without any kind of strategy, because that is disrespectful to them. And frankly, it doesn't do anything to enhance your brand and the fact that you want to lead at the next level. I guess that, you know, to, to sum that up, it's I want you to stop, breathe and reflect. Where do I want to go next? What do I need to develop and demonstrate to get there? And who might help me on that on that journey? So in other words, you need to have a plan. This is not, there's no bluebirds, friends. They are not going to drop down out of the sky and go, ha ha, 
oh, there you go, Mel, you've got a beautiful promotion. It just does not happen that way. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of episodes where we touched on networking. And for our listeners, I would recommend going back and listening to episode 45 and episode 16, but there's others as well. Okay, Michelle, to wrap this up, are there any red flags that women should be aware of as they're beginning to go through this process of making the plan for their next steps up and having these important conversations with their leadership? Absolutely. So the very first red flag, if you've ever been told that you're so good at your job, we could never lose you and never move you. Oh my goodness. Red flag, red flag, red flag. We've got it. You've got to do something about that. When someone says that, that means that you are not known. You're not known for identifying and developing talent. Now, whether you're an individual contributor or whether you're already leading people or leading leaders, if your role is single point sensitive to you, and your boss is saying we could never lose you because and we can and we can never move you you've got to pay attention to that so questions that i want you to ask yourself are you known for identifying and developing talent and individual contributors you can do this too because tapping your strategic network on an ongoing basis for talent is one way of demonstrating the fact that you get it, that you get that this is important for the organization. And right now, as we as we record this in early 2022, talent management is a really big deal because we have got unfilled vacancies to it to and it is wildly variable. And but we have got unfilled vacancies across the world that is causing CEOs to lay awake at night wondering how they are going to get enough people, the right people in the right place at the right time. If you are known as a person who can identify and develop talent, but also tap your strategic network on an ongoing basis for talent for your organization, guess what? That is great. So that's number one. Be known as someone who's good at talent identification. The second one is, have you got a succession plan for your role? Irrespective of whether your organization has asked you to develop one, do it. You must have someone ready to step into your role. Now, I had a question from someone, from a woman in a workshop just recently who said, but Michelle, I'm not a supervisor. I'm, I'm just an individual contributor. And yeah, I have been told that I'm really good at my job and I, I won't be able to go anywhere. And I go, okay, so let's go back to my previous point. Who are you identifying as someone who can step into your role? Who might you be mentoring and coaching on the side? Now, whether that person's in another role in your current organization or external to your organization, how might you start getting someone ready and introducing them to the decision makers so that you can demonstrate that you've got someone? So so let's, I really am going to talk about leadership roles now. So you're already leading people, whether it's a frontline manager or middle or, or senior. Develop a succession plan. So have someone ready to step into your role for leave coverage. So in your own teams, who is the person that's ready now and ready soon? And who and having those conversations with people to say, right, I'd like to take my annual leave or I'd like to go to a course uh, that's going to be, you know, three months residential at Harvard. If you've got someone who can mitigate the risk of you not being in your role ready, guess what? The likelihood is that you're going to get your leave approved, your study approved, your promotion approved because your boss go, fantastic. She's got someone ready to stand to the role and I don't have to have a headache about thinking, holy hell, who's going to do Michelle's job now that she's gone? 
again, I'll go back to what I said earlier, Mel, have someone ready. And and I think this is where developing people in your own team is great. Someone ready who can help in a crisis. So that two I see, someone who can really just jump on in right now versus someone who might be going to develop into the role. So she can lead in that steady as she goes mode. And then think about who people, you know, two or three people who might be ready in one to two years. Now, whether they actually end up in your role or not, they will, if you identify them and start helping them to develop and demonstrate their skills, they're going to be well, they'll, they'll be put into the talent pool and it's likely, more likely than not, that their career will develop and advance in the organisation. Things to do about developing. So are you delegating well enough? So, and, and I know I'm going a little bit off to the side here, Mel, but I know what are the two things. So we know that engaging the greatness in others, women are most often rated as superior in engaging the greatness in others than men by bosses, with the exception of two components. One, strategic networks, being able to tap strategic networks to achieve and sustain the goals of the organization. And number two, delegation. And the delegation piece is, and and this is a little bit more going back towards what we talked about earlier. If you are so focused on the tasks of your role and you've created dependence, so you you have to do everything, you have to sign everything, or you're micromanaging. And some of us micromanage without even realizing it. You've got a problem with delegation. Getting better at delegation means that you find people that you trust. So your successor is a a great person because you're trusting that person to say, hey, Mel, you're on my succession plan. What I'm going to do is start bringing you to the project meetings for XYZ. And what I'd like you to do is take responsibility for doing the first draft of the business case, or I'd like you to run the team meetings, or I'd like you to be lead on the the customer meetings that we have every second week with the customer, whatever it may be, but engaging her greatness and helping her practice and and develop the skills that are going to be required to lead at the next level. The next point is, have you stopped doing stuff that is going to detract from the perception that you're ready to lead at the next level? So remember I said that, you know, bosses say that, you know, she's just not ready yet. Why are they saying that? Is it because you're still running around, not delegating, but also running around doing stuff at a level below you or below that? Or are you lifting up, inserting yourself into processes and conversations that show, that demonstrate that you're interested in learning about what it takes to lead at the next level? So in other words, we talked about leadership is additive and subtractive. What do you need to stop doing? Think about what you're doing that people are observing, particularly people who are making decisions about your career. What are they observing about you that might detract from the impression that you're ready to lead at the next level? And then let's go right back to the start of the conversation. Have you identified the role that you want to be considered as a successor for? So this is the circular, you know, beautiful circular argument here. Yeah, I, I, I'm developing a succession plan, what have you. Well, where do you want to go, Michelle? I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. Okay. Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. What do you want to do next? whether it's a role or an area or whatever it may be, but have that goal, have that role or roles ready to have a discussion about, and then go and have that discussion with your boss. So do give your courtesy the boss. If it's not if it's not your boss's role that you want to be on the succession plan for, do have that conversation with your boss. As a boss, it's a little bit discombobulating and a little bit disrespectful when you get a call from a peer saying, oh, just had a great conversation with Mel about how she wants to be on my succession plan. And I'm going, oh, I didn't even know. So please do have the conversation with your boss. And then finally, that conversation with your boss can also be about, hey, boss, 
I want to learn about your role. I want to learn about the responsibilities that you have. And I want to help you achieve and sustain extraordinary outcomes in your role. But show me, show me what those are and let me help you because I want to be able to contribute at your level. So there you go. I love it. Okay, that's all I've got as far as questions. Anything else that you want to wrap us up with on the topic of succession planning? The final thought that I would make again is don't wait for the HR department to talk about succession planning, whether you're an individual contributor leading in the middle or leading at the top of the organization. This is the mindsets of leaders. The mindset of a leader is that I'm responsible for identifying and advancing diverse talent so that our organization can achieve and sustain its extraordinary outcomes. So I want you to have that mindset no matter what, you know, leadership manifests itself at every level. Yes, it is different at different levels, but the mindset is I'm responsible for succession planning. And that's it. Thanks, Michelle. And thank you to our listeners for joining us. We'll be back again next week with an episode on Crossroads. I'm Mel Butcher, and I want to talk to you about the Ascend Workshop. Ascend is a workshop I created for early career professionals who are ready to take the next steps in their career. The next step could be aiming for a promotion and salary raise, or it could be looking for the next step up in another organization. Together, we'll cover using emotional intelligence in the workplace, getting our communication on point, understanding mentorship and sponsorship and how to get it, and positioning ourselves for the next step. I'd love to see you inside the Ascend Workshop. Learn more under the Courses section inside A Career That Soars. This has been another episode of Lead to Soar, a production of A Career That Soars. You can reach Michelle Redfern at michelleredfern.com and Mel Butcher at melbutcher.com. Join us inside A Career That Soars at acareerthatsoars.com.